The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. Hey, y'all. I'm Bud Elliott, and this is my college football summer school series on Cover 3. I bring on the team experts from the 24-7 sports staff and ask them the questions I care about. No fluff. Which players will be toughest to replace? What position groups are sneakily better or worse than I realize? We get you the scoop on each team in 20 minutes or less. Let's go. Hey guys, Bud Elliott here. Welcome back into summer school today. We are talking the Miami Hurricanes for that. I'm going to bring on my friend David Lake of Inside the U. David, welcome back to the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Always fun doing this with you every summer, Bud. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. So uh, last year, Mark Cristobal came in with a lot of excitement and on the recruiting trail, cashed in that, that excitement extremely well. First year on the field was rough. Can't really sugarcoat it. I mean, five and seven, top 70 power rating. Bill Connolly has that as the worst Miami team uh, in 15 or 20 years. I get just to start off here. What what happened? Yeah. I mean, it's a laundry list of bad luck. Bad in hindsight, bad coaching hires. Um, and I agree with that. I mean, I know a lot of the advanced analytics show that this was the worst Miami team going back to the 70s. I've been doing this since 2007. It's the worst Miami team I've seen with my own two eyes covering the team. And it's again, you know, on paper in the moment, hiring Josh Gaddis, the reigning Broyles Award winner, as your offensive coordinator and having a veteran like Kevin Steele that had gotten it done at a high level at many different stops on paper. That looked great going into the season. Once the season got go- going though, there was issues that popped up different issues for each coach. Uh, Josh Gaddis, you know, I think he struggled to get buy-in from the players. I think 
think there was some relationship issues there with the players. Also, I think he struggled to adapt to the talent he inherited. And then Kevin Steele, I think, you know, internally, there was some frustration with the lack of adapting uh, or adjustments. Um, and, and when adjustments were, were made, it was viewed as being too late. Also, kind of a conservative base defense kind of guy. Um, and so, you know, year over year, they, they have new coordinators. I think also, too, it's worth mentioning last year, particularly on offense, just really bad injury luck. I think every position group on offense was hit hard by some sort of major injury. And it was just hard to ever find a rhythm. And then the team loses confidence. The team stops playing hard, quite frankly, in the last month of the season. And uh, it was a disaster of a year. Uh, But Mario Cristobal has hit the reset button on the program here in year two, which I think was fair. I think he needed to do it. And we'll see if these changes, not only to the coaching staff, but also tons of transfers and recruits coming in to try and get things going again here in year two. Do you think that because Cristobal has had success at prior stops, right? I thought he did a good job at FIU, at, at Oregon. He won a lot, won the Pac-12, went to the Rose Bowl. I, I do think that that affords him the ability to rip the Band-Aid immediately. If you're a brand-new head coach who's never been a head coach before, and you fire the guy who's the Broyles Award winner the previous year, people are like, what, what are you doing? And maybe it's fair to say, what are you doing? But at least the guy has, has a track record of winning. So if he makes the call, he makes the call. They, they bring in Shannon Dawson of Houston, who ostensibly I think is an air raid guy. I'll throw this to you. Mario Cristobal is probably the furthest thing among head coaches that I can think of when it comes to not being the air raid, right? How is this going to look? How is it going to work? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. And and I think, I know for me personally, I give Mario Cristobal credit for going out of his comfort zone, being willing to go and hire a guy with an air raid background in Shannon Dawson. Now, Shannon Dawson and Mario Cristobal, everyone inside the program will tell you, look, we're, we're going to run the ball. And I think that is kind of an evolution we're seeing with the air raid in general. It is kind of becoming more of a balanced type of offense uh, with air raid passing principles. Um, and, and quite frankly, I think this move was made to get Tyler Van Dyke back going because we all know what he did with Rhett Lashley as his offensive coordinator in 2021. Over the last six games of that season, he was statistically one of the best quarterbacks in the country that year. Um, He did not, outside of a North Carolina game, which he shredded a bad North Carolina secondary for close to 500 yards, he never came close to looking uh, close to his 2021 self. So I think they feel like internally, this is the best style of offense to get him going, which will help the whole offense as a whole. Um, And so, yeah, I I mean, I was surprised when it became clear that Shannon Dawson was probably going to be the hire because, again, Mario Cristobal wants to run the ball. He is an offensive line coach. Uh, He wants to own the line of scrimmage. But I do think people inside the building also convinced him, hey, you can still do that within this air raid type of offense that can also unlock a passing game, which to be fair, is a narrative he has to deal with too, I think, on the recruiting trail in order to get talented wide receivers and quarterbacks. So I think for the good of the program, he's got out of his comfort zone a little bit. And the reports I'm getting out, you know, from the spring 
is that he is really enjoying this new style of offense. And um, so we'll see how it goes once the season kicks off. I think Van Dyke's comfort, something you mentioned there, is is really important. It looked like when, when he had Rhett Lashley's offense and like the, the defense fell off pretty hard under, under Manny Diaz, especially in that final year, but they had been top 15 offensively uh, in, in back-to-back years. So the guy, Van Dyke has some talent uh, mm-hmm. arm-wise. Do we think this offense will basically not read it for him, but make the reads a little more obvious for him? Because when he knows where to go with the ball, when he's not sitting there patting it and being confused, he he does throw strikes. I do think that's also something the the current staff feels that they they found out after evaluating him for one year is that, yeah, he does struggle going through progressions. I think he can get to that second progression, but after that, it starts to get a little dicey. And yeah, as you're alluding to, you know, that's what the air raid is about, right? It's easy reads for the quarterbacks. Quite frankly, it's easy reads for the wide receivers, which I think is also important because they struggled even more so than Van Dyke, in my opinion, last year. So it was a it was a discombobulated offense in general. Also, the offensive line was a total train wreck with the injuries that mounted there last year, which also didn't allow Tyler Van Dyke to have time to operate. And he he played last year with a shoulder injury, tried to give it a go here and there, uh, you know, came back against Florida State, didn't work out. I think in the first quarter he had to go back to the sidelines. So I was shocked he played in that game. Like like the just a non-contact throwing injury. It looked like a baseball injury almost, right? Like where, where the guy just throws yep. his arm out. And not, not that he threw it out, but it and clearly wasn't right, I guess. Uh, he's a tough guy and he cares. And you know, so he does have that going for him. And I do think he's a talented guy. I think he's a guy who can get drafted. Is he a first round pick anymore? Probably not. But I do think he's a guy that can get drafted in the NFL. So we'll see if it all clicks this year for him. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. So you mentioned the receivers struggling last year with some of the reads. This is where I thought Miami really had a weakness last year. They didn't scare a whole lot of people out wide. They were 128th in explosive play rate, which is, I mean, that's, yeah, like that's really like kind of Nevada, New Mexico range. They're not really where you want to be at Miami and yet the staff only took I think two receivers they weren't really in it for a lot of like the the top receivers in the transfer portal should I read into that in a positive way that they like what they have on the roster already I think they like Colby Young who's a guy that okay. came out of nowhere kind of last year was a Juco edition showed up in July still had to like get in playing shape for power five level college football um, and he he and Tyler started to find a nice little rhythm right before Tyler got injured. And so 
he was kind of emerging as their quote unquote wide receiver one when Tyler got hurt. And then Colby's production kind of dipped after that. So he's a guy that's six, five, he hits 20 miles an hour on the GPS. Um, I think he's probably the safest bet to lead them in receiving yards. Is he a wide receiver one? I mean, he might put up big numbers because this offense now is going to allow that. But to me, a wide receiver one is a guy that goes and makes plays in big time situations. I think that's to be determined. So they feel good about him. They went out and got, uh, they added speed on the outside and Tyler Harrell from Alabama. He dealt with a foot injury while at Alabama, but he was a 30 yard per catch guy at Louisville the previous year. He's kind of a one trick pony, just a a deep ball guy, deep post guy. Um, But Miami needs that threat at least, because as you're alluding to, they were not explosive at all through the air last year. And um, they returned Xavier Restrepo, who was their top receiver last year, probably, and um, got hurt in week two, was out for about seven games, never really got back, you know, coming off a foot injury during the midseason. So, um, you know, and then they've added a, a Juco guy in Shamar Kirk. We'll see how that goes because Juco guys can be hit or miss, I think. But his Juco tape is intriguing. So, you know, I do think, do they have a clear, it is an issue. Wide receiver, it's not talented, um, overly talented. But they feel like, okay, we got Tyler in, in an offense he can be productive in. And our offensive line is better to give him protection. So they're hoping that helps the the overall explosiveness of the offense in general. And they feel like, too, I mean, look, you go back to 2021, Charleston Rambo did have some production to him when he came to Miami. But he definitely, he left Miami as the uh, single season record holder. And no one saw that coming. And he, it's not like Charleston Rambo got drafted and has gone on to a very strong NFL career. So Tyler's shown the ability to help raise wide receivers with his ability. And so we'll see if they can get that done, particularly him and Colby Young this year in particular. Yeah, I, I thought the Restrepo injury, just from the usage pattern in the first two games last year, was was a meaningful injury. Like I know in our power yeah. ratings, when, when I saw Restrepo, was that, I was like, man, I, Van Dyke is going to him and Mallory to a certain extent all, almost all the time. And so it, it'll be really interesting to see you know, with, with him back healthier, uh, how that connection is for them. Uh, offensive line-wise, the most shocking part, I, I think, of the offense. But given Cristobal Amirabal's track record, the offensive line coach, you, you have to think that that can be mostly attributed to injuries. I know that they lost Campbell to Tennessee from the transfer. Tennessee apparently loves him now. I know he got banged up in warm-ups for the FSU game last year. Zion Nelson didn't play all year, I think, right? He played, so he got a little nicked up in summer workouts. And so he had surgery, just a little cleanup surgery is how it was described to us. And then he played as a backup, I think, against Texas A&M and Southern Miss at the start of the year, and then was shut down the rest of the year. So essentially out for the year, yeah. They took two transfers on the offensive line. They bring in two five-star tackles. What? How does this group shake out for you, and, and are you projecting improvement here? I think it's the strength of the team. Uh, the two transfers you're alluding to, Javian Cohen comes in from Alabama, uh, projects as a guard, left guard, and then Matt Lee is a center from UCF that internally they're extremely excited about 
both as a leader and as a player, they feel like he's an NFL center. So uh, they feel like they got two NFL caliber guys there. Honestly, I think, I mean, this might be hyperbole, but I think the potential's there for them to start five NFL caliber offensive linemen if Zion Nelson makes a return from his injury uh, last year, because he was held out of spring football as well. So there's kind of some uncertainty there as to what he's going to look like. But if they go Zion Nelson, Javian Cohen, Matt Lee, uh, Jalen Rivers is a very talented right guard, I think, with NFL potential. And then Francis Maui Goa is a uh, true freshman that started uh, in, in spring football after two practices. He's a total freak. And so, yeah, they've kind of just flipped the offensive line. And I think it has a chance to be the best offensive line in the ACC which Miami has not come close to having in a very, very long time. So um, they've totally changed that group. They feel good about it. I do wonder what it looks like if Zion Nelson isn't back. They were playing Jalen Rivers at left tackle with him out this spring. And in the spring game, that was kind of a hit or miss look. Um, but as you alluded to, Samson Okamlola was the backup left tackle. He's a five-star freshman that has a bunch of talent too, just kind of has to figure it out a little bit there as a true freshman. So they've totally flipped that group. They're going all in on the offensive line, uh, helping give Tyler Van Dyke more time to operate and help a run game that was pretty unproductive last year. On the defensive side of the ball, they improved from like 70 or from like 95th to 75th, which is not a whole lot of improvement. Kevin Steele leaves for Alabama. Uh, they go and they bring in a, a really aggressive defensive coordinator uh, from Marshall, who I know a lot of other coaches in that league uh, respect in, in the Sun Belt uh, and formerly in in the uh, the CUSA uh, respected quite a bit. What, what changes have you seen there from from Kevin Steele um, to Lance? Yeah, so he does do a lot of kind of cat and mouse games uh, pre snap in terms of like walking linebackers up to gaps, looking like they're going to blitz, and they do blitz. Uh, they're, they're back seven quite a bit. So he's a creative guy. He'll have random defensive linemen stand up to as, as rushers to kind of give offensive lines weird looks. So I do think uh, people in the building have been pleased with what he's shown, um, you know, during his first spring. And I think too, there's just a kind of excitement factor, energy factor that he brings uh, relative to Kevin Steele, who, again, taking nothing away from Kevin Steele, he's a he's a very good coach. Um, but I think there's a difference. When you're a Kevin Steele and you walk into a place like Miami that has some talent, but you've worked with big-time defenses at Auburn, et cetera, are you as excited to work with a Miami defense that's above average in terms of personnel? Whereas I think Lance Guidry's all in on the personnel he inherits and is willing to do whatever it takes to get the most out of the players that he's inheriting at Miami. So uh, I do think it's going to be a better fit um, than Kevin Steele was in year one. I'm picking up what you're putting down there. Uh, Steele has a reputation or had a reputation at most stops as being a fairly fairly aggressive defensive coordinator, right? And, and it surprised me last year, that given that Miami did have, what, a second-round corner in Tyreek and, and a – what, sixth or seventh round corner, I guess, in, in Ivy, and that PFF loves their safeties in, in Cam Catches and, and, and Williams. 
are you surprised they didn't blitz more last year? Like, did, did he not trust that back four as much as some of the grading services say he should have? Where's the disconnect there? Like, do you think those guys are like, like, I mean, if, if the, some of these ratings are right, Miami's going to have what two first round safeties, a second round corner and a seventh round corner playing on a, on a 75th rated defense. That's something's off here. Right. I think, I think there was def like at the start of the year in particular, there was definitely communication issues between the corners and the safeties. And that led to some big time busts like the middle Tennessee state game. Right. Um, there was four, four touchdowns. I think of over 60 yards in that game passing touchdowns. So, uh, I would argue, though, if you're Kevin Steele and you play an air raid defense, you need to play more zone. They were playing man coverage the whole game, which is kind of what air raid teams want. Anyways, that's a tangent. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, is is Miami safety's first round picks? I don't know. Are they NFL players in the future? Sure. Um, you know, I do think the linebackers have been a significant issue for Miami here. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, I, I think it's fair to say Miami's defense underperformed. Is that Kevin Steele's fault solely? No. Um, but I do think he has to bear a a fair amount of the criticism for, I mean, there's no excuse for that. Miami defense should not have allowed over 40 points in five different games. That's unacceptable. And quite frankly, like their season averages were buoyed by games against like Bethune Cookman, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, which were just putrid offenses. So um, it was a really bad defense. And I think everyone has to share blame in it. But certainly Kevin Steele, I think, didn't do the best job. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account. Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Makes sense. Uh, You mentioned linebacker. Corey Flagg is back. He had some good sort of disruptive numbers, also had some some blown assignments at times last year with, with, with the run fits. They bring in Maui Goa, who is, I think, the with the brother of, yes. of, of your five-star offensive tackle there in Coral Gables. His numbers at Washington State were really strong, uh, and Washington State had one of the absolute best linebacker core in the country. If you guys listen to summer school, you, you, you would have heard that already. Uh, I assume he's a starter for them. 
Yeah, he's going to be the starting middle linebacker. He really impressed in the spring. He was much better than I expected, and he's much better than people inside the building expect. So I think he's going to take Corey Flagg's middle linebacker job. Now will Flagg move to weak side? That's still be determined. They have Wesley Besaint there. I think, quite frankly, if a grad transfer jumps in the portal, that's a productive will. Miami would look to jump on that too. So, um, But they feel good about what they got in middle linebacker Francisco Maui Goa. He's, he's their best middle linebacker they've had by far since Shaq Quarterman. That's pretty high praise there. I, I forgot to ask you about the replacements for the corners who both got drafted. What I know in talking to Robbie Weinstein when we did our Vanderbilt uh, episode, he thought that uh, the corner from Vandy who went to Miami was Vandy's best corner. With all due respect to Vandy, uh, not really sure how, how to rank that type of player yeah. given that it is Vandy. What? How do these corners stack up? They they did attack the portal heavily for corners. Yep. I think it took three or four. Yeah, they took four. And the guy you're referring to is Jadis Richard. I do think they're very excited about him. I haven't seen him myself, so I can't speak intelligently on him. But, you know, he's the guy that's 6'1", 6'2", 200, has some SEC experience. So they, they feel like he's got a chance. Uh, this spring, Devontae Brown came in from UCF. He's played... 1,700 snaps there at UCF. He's a long-rangey guy, 6'2", 185-ish. Um, so he's probably going to be a starter. Uh, in my opinion, what I, what we got to watch, he was a little up and down this spring. Um, but I do think he finished on a high note, so that was encouraging. They also brought in Jaden Davis from Oklahoma, kind of a 5'10 corner that uh, can play on the field or nickel. Uh, mostly is played on the field, though. Uh, field corner for Oklahoma. So he's a guy that... A useful that, piece there, I assume? Yeah. I, well, I think he's going to okay. play. So then you got Daryl Porter too. So they're just throwing numbers at it and, and seeing what sticks kind of. I do think this corner group is deeper last year for whatever that's worth. But is it is the top end talent as good? No, in my opinion, it's not. Up front, it's sort of an interesting portal strategy for Miami. They they do lose their top two guys but by snap count in Mitchell Agude and Daryl Jackson, which nobody got a ton of snaps last year. I think the, the high, high mark was like 400 or something. So it wasn't like yeah. you had guys playing 700 snaps. So they return a ton, a lot of former highly rated guys, and they went to the portal for, for three more players. Does that say something about their opinion of the room or, or what, what sort of thinking there and how this will shake out? I think they do like to have a big rotation on the D-line. So that's a part of it. I think they'd love to go two and a half deep of rotating uh, DNs and D tackles. So that's part of it. I also think, you know, losing Daryl Jackson is that's the one guy that they lost this spring uh, or sorry, this off season that they would tell you, yeah, that one really hurt. So he's a guy that's probably going to be an NFL D tackle uh, kind of that six, six, 300 guy that can just eat up space and take away the run game of opponents and uh they haven't been able to necessarily replace that type of d tackle they've gotten kind of the the quick pass rushing d tackles um so that's another position where if a grad transfer jumps in that's a big body d tackle miami would look to pounce on that so but i think the defensive end group is very strong um you return mesador you return jafari harvey you got Nigel Lee Kelly, who's kind of an ascending player in his second year. And then they're very excited about Ruben Bain, a uh, true freshman, had a very strong showing in the spring, talented guy. He can kick inside a little bit too. Um, 
but that top four, they're they're pretty excited about. I was at the Under Armour uh, game with Ivans during a week practice, and I was like, man, you know who kind of reminds me of is Melvin Ingram, who played for uh, South Carolina and then the Chargers. And it's like, okay, like six foot and a half, two sixty edge player, a, a, a different build, but just the the twitchiness and and the moves and and the the motor that he pay, that he plays with is is yep. nuts. I, I yeah, that 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 kid's gonna be a lot of fun to watch. Do you have an early feel for it? Are, is the offense the defense going to be similar quality? Is, is any group going to be way ahead of the other? Like, is the offense way better than the defense? Defense way better than the offense, in, in your opinion? Um, I honestly think it's pretty close. Um, I'm not saying either one's where it needs to be. Um, but the li- So we, we got to watch a little bit of the spring. And it was pretty even going back and forth. I wouldn't say the defense shut down the offense. The offense generated a ton of explosive plays against the defense. So I think it's fairly even between those two groups, to be honest. Makes sense. Uh, David, we don't talk a lot of special teams on summer school, but I am because Miami had a top five punter in Lou Headley, who's now off to the NFL. And they, I know he punted more than Miami wanted to punt last year, but he was really useful in flipping the field. And some of the games could have been worse without him, I guess. What, what are they doing at the punter situation? And if you've seen any of it, what what, what is your estimation so far? Yeah, so they got to replace Lou Headley, who was definitely a weapon uh, at punter in terms of flipping the field. And and they've gone back to another veteran, or an older, I should say, Australian punter, uh, Dylan Joyce, who's 22, uh, comes from the Australian football rules, or Australian rules football uh, ranks. And uh, yeah, he's a guy that has a ton of leg talent. Um, the little bit we saw of him in the spring, that checks out. To me, though, punter is one of those deals where it's like until the the lights are on in games, you don't really know what you got. So I remember, you know, before Lou Headley, they had Zach Fiegels, son of Jeff Fiegels, uh, you know, had those bloodlines and he had a huge leg, too. But uh, in games, it, it would get dicey. But Dylan Joyce is a talented guy, big leg, but we'll see how it looks when the lights are on. For sure. Uh, where's the spot on this team? That and when you're at practice or just from what you know, the drop off from the starters to the backups is huge, and the backups are just not probably they're they're probably a liability if they have to play. Yeah, I mean that's other than quarterback. The, yeah, because everybody says quarterback. Right. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. I I so that's interesting for Miami because there's in my opinion there's still starters that you know I don't know if Miami's comfortable with or I'm comfortable with. Uh, but if I'm going to go starters to backups, the drop off, I'd probably go safety. I think you need in the modern day kind of three safeties that you feel comfortable yeah. with. Uh, Miami has two good players in Camp Kitchens and James Williams. Probably again going to be NFL guys eventually, whenever that comes for them. But that third safety, to me, there's a drop off there. So that's another position where I think if a veteran safety grad transfer safety jumps in the portal, Miami would look to pounce on that. So I think there's a drop off there. Uh, but also too, you know, as I mentioned, weak side linebacker, they'd want a starter there. So I don't know if that counts. And then a nose tackle at D tackle. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and then, you know, you mentioned quarterback. I'm a big Jakari Brown fan actually, but I don't know if he's quite ready yet. So I think he needs one more year. Of course, if they lose Tyler, that'd probably be a hit. Um, 
But Jakari, you know, he was not supposed to play last year. He went out and won a Georgia Tech game, who I know is not very good, but still went out and won a game as a true freshman. So, um, but I would I would probably answer that question with safety. Miami, and I'll, I'll get you out of here on this, but it it's not crazy to me to think that they could be pretty darn good in 2023 or 2024 if the right guys come back. And the schedule, uh, they almost have the reverse Louisville. Uh, so Louisville avoids almost all of the top teams in the league this year. Uh, Miami, the, their schedule in the ACC in odd-numbered years is, is kind of difficult. You have to go to North Carolina, to NC State, you draw Clemson, you go to FSU, you got to play Louisville, and then, of course, the, the ACC does them a salad and throws in Boston College in the final week of the year uh, for Thanksgiving, which I'm sure will be pretty pretty cold. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair to say in terms of how tough an ACC schedule could be. Miami's is, is fairly tough this year. You look at the uh, season win totals for all the ACC teams. Miami has to play the top four, uh, Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina, and Louisville. So, um, you know, I do think this team's going to be better. Uh, than last year's team, but th- then th- this year's te- this year's schedule is much more difficult, I think, than last year's. So that Texas A&M game in week two, I think, is going to be a big, big opportunity to build confidence potentially. Texas A&M feels the same way, I'm sure, after the way last year went as well. So um, ACC schedule is going to be tough, um, but if they can. We'll see how that, how that Texas A&M goes because after that Texas A&M game, that first month of the season's pretty manageable. So we'll see if they can get some momentum, get some confidence, and, and you never know where things go from there. And if you like inside the U, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't think this guy knows Miami football, I mean, come on. thank you so much for the time. It was awesome. Keep that.